BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I think young people are taking charge and getting involved and being civically engaged. I think when we highlight that I'm the youngest and highlight that I'm now 20, so I feel like I'm getting a little old. Yeah, not a teenager anymore. <laughs> I'm not a teenager anymore. <laughs> when we highlight that, it shows that the times are changing. From the Fox 6 studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. Age is just a number. Kaitlin Haywood made national headlines in 2018 when, at just 19 years old, he became Wisconsin's youngest lawmaker, elected to represent Milwaukee's 16th district in the state assembly. And I was going to sign the book. And when they called my name, there were some colleagues on the other side of the aisle that was like, is that him? That's a 19-year-old. Now, at the ripe old age of 20, he stopped by the Fox 6 studios to share how the first year on the job has gone, the challenges of working for one of the most economically and socially diverse districts in Wisconsin, why young people, even teenagers, should have a voice in politics, and if there's any time for a social life when you're balancing duties as a state rep and a college student. Plus, we'll have the Fox 6-pack of questions with Amy DuPont, but first, Representative Kalen Haywood has the floor. We are hanging out here at the Fox 6 Studios because Kaylin Haywood, our guest, was very nice uh, to come to our turf. So this is a home game for us, Kaylin. Thank you so much for being our guest. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's always good to come in. I got to start with something uh, a little off the beaten path here. I was listening and reading to some things about you to prepare for this. And one of the things I heard, this was from back in the winter, was that when you're driving back and forth to Madison, Drake is frequently on the radio. <laughs> this was before he became public enemy number yeah. one here in Milwaukee. <laughs> are you still a Drake fan? You know, it's, it's a love-hate thing. So, yes, I'm still listening to the way to Madison. I still like his songs, too. Um, it's funny. I was at a conference last week um, in Minnesota, and one of the, um, the Toronto legislators were there. And in her opening speech, she, of course, brought up the Raptors. And I was like, oh. You got to just stab so, me in the heart so, like that. Yeah. So, yeah, but Drake is still one of my favorites. And Drake is, I mean, Drake is Drake. I mean, yeah. despite I trolled him on Twitter, he trolled us. and <laughs> Hey, it worked out. I mean, they won this year. It's okay. We'll let them get a win. But next year, the Bucks are coming back. Strong. I think it was maybe they won the battle. We'll win the war in terms exactly. of Kawhi leaving. That's what we're hoping exactly. for anyway with the it's Bucks. It's not a race. It's a marathon. There so. you go. There you go. I like it. Uh, before we get into uh, all sorts of different stuff on your background and your accomplished career already, I know you're probably tired of getting asked questions about being one of the youngest people in the country serving in a state lobby or state representative. So I'm going to ask you a question. How tired <laughs> do you get about all these questions and that kind of being the focus? Actually, I... I like it. Yeah. I think it changes the conversation. It changes the narrative of what young people are doing, especially what young minorities are doing around the country. I think young people are taking 
charge and getting involved and being civically engaged. I think when we highlight that I'm the youngest and mm-hmm. highlight that I'm now 20, so I feel like I'm getting a little old. Yeah, not a teenager anymore. <laughs> not a teenager anymore. <laughs> when we highlight that, it shows that the times are changing and that young people are getting involved, and yeah. I love to highlight that. Absolutely. And so much of the coverage was when you first uh, officially became a state rep for the District uh, 16 here in Milwaukee. Now that you're almost a year into this now, almost coming up on one year since the election at least, how has this first year gone and how different do you feel maybe now, how much more confident than when you first stepped into the role? I definitely, every day I gain more knowledge, I gain more experience, I become more confident in the role I'm in. Uh, so I think, uh, from let me thinking back from a year ago today, or even a year and a half when the campaign started, I'm just like, you know, when I announced I was 18, I thought I knew everything. A lot of us thought that, right? Then going out on doors and and beating so many different people, and being on doors is probably the best experience I've ever had in my life. Meeting so many different people from different backgrounds when it comes to race, um, political affiliation, when it comes to social economic status, it really grew me as a person. And now that I'm in Madison every day and with my colleagues, I have some diverse colleagues as well, it, it, it has shaped how I think about things. I know last year, um, a year and a half ago, I wasn't as mellow as I am now. I've learned to be a lot more patient. Hmm. I learned to be a lot more mellow. Um, Government moves kind of slow. So trying to figure out how we can speed things up, but also understanding how government is working. So I think I've grown a lot over the last year and a half. People around me have said I've grown a lot, so they, I think they've seen it, I've seen it, so I think it's been good. You mentioned people from all different backgrounds. That's certainly the case in your district, too. I've heard you speak to the fact that it's one of the more interesting districts around because you have all the development, all the money happening in downtown Milwaukee, Pfizer Forum, where mm-hmm. those Bucks and Raptors played, and then spreading <laughs> uh, north and west from there, you do include some of the poorer neighborhoods in the city as well. So as a representative for such a wide range of people and interests, how do you kind of try to balance that and try to support everybody? I try one, I say my district is the epicenter of Wisconsin. I have some of the wealthiest Wisconsinites and some of the poorest Wisconsinites in my district. And understanding that is important. When I first launched my campaign, I sent out my first mailer and, or my first lit piece of literature, and I realized about four days later that that one piece of lit was not going to work <laughs> and that my district was unique. We had to change the message. There's still no perfect message for the district, but there is better messaging. When it comes to doing the work now, I have to realize that one piece of legislation isn't going to fix the entire district or work for the entire district. So you have to break the district up into neighborhoods, which I t- tend to do. So I made a, uh, I made a part of my job to make sure we go to every house, knock on every door still, so we're still knocking on doors. And we we both stay in Bruce Hill. Yes, we do. Bruce Hill has different issues than River West does. River West has different issues than Johnson Park does. So what we try to do is make sure in Hillside, what we try to do is we make sure we go to those neighborhoods and ask what constituents we want. Hmm. And then from that meeting, so we do town halls. We, I think it's my, I think my fifth one this summer last night. Wow. And I think from that, what we do is take from over here in the meeting and figure out, okay, well, they said this, and then that neighborhood said something very similar. How can we marry those two things? Yeah. But also realize that we have to do things that are sometimes neighborhood specific. And that's how you do it. You got to make sure you reach the people and stay involved and stay engaged. And we also have built a roundtable. So I call it the Sensational 16 District Roundtable. Mm-hmm. And I take one individual from every neighborhood, from downtown all the way up to 5206. We meet, we're having our first meeting soon. We're going to meet once a month and talk about what I'm doing in Madison, talk about the issues in the neighborhood and figure out how do we work collectively together. But now what we're doing is bringing downtown in the same room as the people who live in 5206. 
So now they can be in the here and learn from each other and understand yeah. each other better. So that's how we, we gotta stay engaged, stay involved, and keep adjusting. Like there's no, there's, the course is gonna change as we move forward, but we gotta keep adjusting and be adaptable. Kind of open not only your eyes but their eyes as yeah. well to, to everything going on. Also, uh, and you're doing all this we should mention while balancing uh, a college student's yeah. life as well. So can you give a sense to our listeners just what a, a typical day, a typical week is like in terms of how you balance all these balls up juggling in the air? So first things first, there's no typical day or week. <laughs> That's the first thing. So I go to Cardinal Street University. I'm studying business administration with an emphasis on finance. I chose Stritch because I believe Stritch has, well, they have proven that they are a willing partner to work with me and make sure that I, one, stay in school. School's a top priority sure. of mine, but also I'm able to do my job successfully. So I'm online school at Cardinal Stretch now, and I take one accelerated course every six weeks. So you take the 18-week course and turn yeah. it into six weeks. So I have online classes. I'm in Madison probably three or four days a week while we're in session, and then I try to spend Friday, Saturday, and Sundays in the district. Um, Mondays, I try to do office work and have office meetings with my staff and make sure we, like, we adjust and adapt every week to what's new. Tuesday through Wednesday, Tuesday through Thursday, I'm in Madison usually doing meetings or speaking engagements in Madison and sometimes Boston back and forth between the city. So Tuesday morning, I might be in Milwaukee doing a speech at 8 o'clock, around 10.30, I'm in Madison doing one, and then you never know, I might be in Bellafield around noon or 1 o'clock doing a doing speech as well. So it, it gets kind of crazy some days, and we're on the road a lot. And then Saturdays are always, especially this summer, Saturdays have been incredibly busy. I think this last Saturday, I think I, I started at 8 o'clock, I didn't get done until about 8.30 p.m. So I, did, I think I did 13 events this weekend. So every day is a little crazy, yeah. it's a little different. Um, but some days I take some time off and just focus on schoolwork or just personal life. And I think a lot of time as a Lakers, we we tend not to do that, and we tend to forget to like take time for like mental health, yeah, like just relax sure. and recuperate. And I think that that's important. We're going to do our job successfully. That we have to be fully functioning. So um, every day is crazy. They usually are twelve hour days, um, and uh, we don't talk about it much. But they're usually twelve hour days. And um, but the weather's been nice. And when I first started in, in the legislature, it, we had all this snow. It was sure. crazy and. It sucked. <laughs> so I got st- I, w- I would get stuck in Madison for days at a yeah. time and couldn't move my car and whatnot. But I think now the summer's rolled around, I'm moving a lot more, and I love being back in the district. Like yeah. that, that's the exciting part of the job, being around the cons- my, my constituents, people I represent, my neighbors, and just getting to, getting to see people again. So every day is different. It's not typical. It's kind of crazy, actually. A lot was made of your age being 19 when you were first elected. But for you, politics had been part of your life far earlier than that. You'd been involved in different campaigns and different things in the city, being part of the youth council as well. Take us back to uh, why this this profession, this line of work was something that you were interested in. What was it that kind of captured you? So I was eight years old. It was actually August of, I believe, 2009. So I was probably nine at the time. 2009, I think, or 07. One, don't call me. Yeah, we won't, we won't a brick in my it. office with the, with the date on it. <laughs> my father had a groundbreaking, so he does development. Yep. And at the groundbreaking, the mayor came, and the mayor kind of draws attention when he comes to anywhere. So it was the mayor, Tom Barrett, and I was like, hey, Dad, who's that guy? And he was like, oh, it's the mayor. So the mayor came over, we spoke, and then the mayor got up on the podium and started speaking. And I was like, you know, Dad, you build buildings and everything, and that's cool, but whatever the mayor does is a lot cooler. So from that day forward, I started looking more into politics. Um, my generation, I think we were all we always had technology, so computers and cell phones kind of had always been our thing. So I would go on the internet and look into stuff. Around, I believe, eighth grade, I went to Hillside Boys and Girls Club, and I would walk from go to my area of school every day. And when I got to the Boys and Girls Club, there was a there's a brochure on the front counter that was for the City of Milwaukee Youth Council. I read into it and. I'm like, this seems pretty dope. I'm like, these young people are in government and they're doing 
what the mayor does. I know it wasn't the same thing, but sure, like, but you guys actually do have does. responsibility. I like, yeah. So I'm like, this is pretty dope. And I saw the age requirement was 14 to 18, and I was 12 at the time. And I was like, I'm gonna try it anyways. <laughs> so I applied. Of course, it didn't work out, but I still was engaged. I volunteered my first campaign at 13 for um, state representative David Bowen when he ran for state for the first time. So been involved in that. Been involved in Urban Underground, which is a nonprofit that does youth engagement. Been involved in that, and that really woke my woke, woke me up to what's going on in the world and the issues we were facing. And then joining the youth council and seeing the impact that we could have on the youth council, but also knowing that there were limitations because I wasn't actually elected. Yeah, that was understandable. So I'm like, let's get elected and do those things you want to do that you couldn't do before mm-hmm. and make an impact and keep being that voice for young people. I'm sure you hear this all the time, but uh, when you see the age, I think back to what I was doing in, in college that time. <laughs> it certainly wasn't anything to this uh, <laughs> level of importance or, or maybe responsibility or maturity either. So how do you balance not only realizing you still have a, a long way to go, a lot to learn here with the real responsibility you have for your constituents each and every day and really impacting lives? I, I think that, so when I first got elected um, election night, my entire campaign team cried. I mean, I cried, they cried, we all cried together. And I think even though we were crying, it hadn't fully sunken in what, what actually took place that night. We knew we had won the battle. We hadn't won the war yet. And uh, November 6th came. We won again because I, I was unopposed. And then it still didn't sink in until in that late December when I sat behind my desk. And I was and if that, at that moment it fully sunk in. Like the governor said the same thing for him when he, when he finally sat behind his desk. That's when it fully sunk in for him. That I'm here, I made it, but now I have this responsibility to make sure that I actually do what I was sent here to do. Yeah. Like we know it before we get get there, but once you sit behind that desk, you feel it. Like I got a responsible job to do. So um, for me, the responsibility never fades. There's, I mean, I'm 20, and there's certain things I would love to do because I'm 20, but I can't do it because I'm elected. So <laughs> um, nothing, nothing bad in particular, but just like, you know, Go on vacation yeah, for a couple right. of days. You know, yeah. find, it's kind of hard to do now. But you find those, you find out that, like, yeah, I'm 20 and there's things we have to sacrifice. And I actually had a, a discussion with an intern yesterday about this. And we were talking. He, he's in school for poli sci at UW-Madison. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, some things I have to give up being 20 and being elected. You have to give up some things. But I feel like it was a worthy sacrifice. Yeah. And I feel that our legislature needs to reflect the people we represent. And our state's full of diverse people when it comes to age, race, economic status, political party. So I feel that um, despite... Even the young youngster, like they call me the youngest in charge now, which I think is pretty cool. Like so, so uh, but despite, despite that, I think that we now have a better legislature because of that. We have the youngest representative in the country. We also have the oldest, uh, oldest and probably longest serving, and probably the oldest yeah. living state senator in the country as well. Yeah, so having that diverse representation in our legislature allows for us to make better laws in, Madi- in Madison, and I think that's helping my constituents out a lot because and I think also my age has been my biggest asset. It allows me to get in certain rooms that some of my colleagues can't get into because some were stuck in their ways. <laughs> so I think my colleagues are a lot more eager to work with me or at least meet me and figure out how the heck I won at 20 yeah. or 19. And I think that has allowed me to get a lot of bipartisan work done. And I believe this fall that I'm going to get a couple bipartisan bills done. So I think my district will be very proud of that. And I think that that's what they sent me here to do. That's something, unfortunately, we, we hear all the time coming out of Madison is just how split and how divided things can get. And that's certainly true, unfortunately, in the country as well. But uh, I was struck looking back at things that the former lieutenant governor, Rebecca Clayfish, was at your, uh, your signing in, right? At yeah. Cardinal Stritch, along with, of course, a number of people from the other side of the aisle as well, the Democratic side. What have you learned about just how politically charged Madison is and, and how can you try to work with those other people on the other side of the aisle where it doesn't have to be just yes or no, depending on party? 
Madison is like the north and south pole being put into one building. <laughs> it is it, like the divide is super strong at this point. We do have a divided government, which is helpful because now we have to do some negotiating, which I think is great. Um, some of my colleagues disagree with that. They think that one party should control everything. And I'm like, hey, that's nice and all, but I think this makes us work together a lot more. But it does slow down government a lot. We do do a lot less work, get less work done, but it does make the work that we do get done good work. When I had my swearing again at Cardinal Stritch, I think it's important for me to have Lieutenant Governor Clayfish there, as well as Lieutenant Governor Lake Barnes there. Because it showed one show the, trend, the change in, tra- transition of power that was happening in Madison, but also a show from day one that I was about bipartisan work. I think it's important. I think it's important that in order to get anything done, we're going to need both sides of the aisle. I think even even the Democrats were in the majority. I would still go to my Republican colleagues, ask their opinions, get their support, because I think that I represent a different constituency than they do. And I will admit, I didn't grow up in rural Wisconsin. I traveled to rural Wisconsin, and it's very different than what my district looks like. And it has made me realize that my issues that I have in my district are different than theirs. But in the same fold, they're the same issues that look very differently. But being able to understand that is how we get good work done. So I think that being able to be open-minded and understanding that we all have issues and we all want solutions and figuring out how we can get it done together. So being willing to be a team player on both sides of the aisle and also having an open mind to understand that you know, their issues aren't much different than yours. They just look different. And you got to make everyone in the room understand that. Did you have to convince people in Madison that, look, this isn't just a, a cute story about a, a teenager who won an election. Like, I'm here to work. Like, let's work together. Did that, Did it take some swaying of the people that you have to convince I don't think stuff? so. Okay. I, I, think, I think from day one, I think the fact that we all get there the same way. We all, we all get voted in by our constituents. I think I think my colleagues understood that. They understood that I had a very tough primary. But they understood that I made it to the primary and that I'm not there with them doing the same job they are. I think they understood that. I think they were, you know, so it's a story when I was getting sworn in the, in the assembly chamber and I was going up to sign the book. And when they called my name, there were some colleagues on the other side of the aisle that was like, is that him? That's a 19-year-old? I was like... Yeah, I hear you. All right. <laughs> so I think it's more of a shock to them that, okay, he was 19. He got elected just like I did. So if, uh, they want to meet with me and talk with me and just try to figure me out some. Yeah. But I think it wasn't as much of them understanding, that, okay, he, how did he get here? I think they understood that I had a very tough primary and I had to work my butt off the gear. So they were ready to rub the sleeves and get to work. Yeah. And as you spoke to, it is certainly nice to have more diversity in terms of age representation. Certainly, I know you're a big proponent of youth being involved, obviously, in yeah. politics. Why is it so important, whether it starts at as young an age as it did for you, but even in your 20s, people in college, why is it so important, so vital that they get more involved? It's super important. What we do in Madison today may seem like today may be boring and seem like stuff old people do, but the laws I passed in Madison today and next week affect me for the next seven decades. I'm still young. I got yeah. some time to be around. So it's important that young people are engaged. But also, young people are the biggest voting block in the country. 18 and 25 is the biggest voting block in the country. If all individuals who are in our age block go out to vote, it can sway any election. Presidential, city, state, county. So it's important for me that young people get engaged because we have power. But we have to realize that we have that power and actually use it because there's issues like Oh, this is, I won't get too political, but like <laughs> gun laws. Yeah. You have the whole March for Our Lives movement. Those young people are getting young people engaged, getting them involved, and making a humongous impact. Since I've won, I've had a plethora of young people reach out to me on social media or email or call, find some, I find my cell phone number and calling me and like, I need some advice. How, I'm running for city council, I'm running for state, I'm running for city commission. How can I get support? How can you support me? What advice can you give? I think that's super important because it's shown that, you know, if you see, if you can see, you, you, if you can see, you believe it. 
So if young people see other young people getting engaged, they now get engaged. And now they now get involved. So I think more, there are more young people that are involved in getting engaged. It one makes a better future for ourselves. But also now you see them getting involved and getting their peers involved. Too often the question is asked, how do we get young people involved? How do we fix young people? How do we get them to be, behave or whatever it may be? And my thing is always, if you had a call and your mother was sick, you wouldn't go to her doctor without her being there. You would go pick her up, take her to the doctor, and then have her there like that. So when we talk about young people, we talk about young people in rooms where they're not at. We're being doctors without seeing the patient. So it's important that young people are there in the room and figure out how to become real solutions. Is it frustrating when you do see some of the numbers about just how low some of the voter turnout can be for that younger generation as well, that this could be a group that sways a lot of things, like you say, but in, in many cases it's not, unfortunately, or at least not up to the numbers it could be? Um, not as frustrating as general voter, voter, mm-hmm. voter turnout yeah, numbers. I guess that's true in general. For young people, I think they have been showing up more lately. I think that it's now becoming cool to be involved civically and go out to vote and run for office. I think that a large part of the reason why I won is because young people went out to vote. First time voters, I gave a lot of them rides to the polls. So <laughs> they, they, they got out engaged, they went out to vote. But when it comes to voter turnout, I get super, super frustrated. Like this is one of my biggest pet peeves in life. My district has 57,000 constituents. Out of that 57,000, only 6% come out traditionally to vote in the primary because I have a Democratic seat. So the primary decides who the state rep is. So 6% of the district, 30, that's 3,200 people coming out to vote traditionally for the last several elections. And I'm like, that is insane. But you dig deeper into those numbers, about 2 or 3% come from River West, Brewers Hill, and Johnson Park, and Halyard Park, and Harambe, maybe. So a couple of neighborhoods in the district are the ones that go out to vote in the primary and decide to stay around. And River West does an amazing job. River West is a majority of the, the biggest, it's two, River West is two wards in my district, and they are the they had the greatest turnout. Wow. Super insane. But this last election, we spent, we took a risk. We knocked on doors of people who didn't usually vote. People that haven't voted, voted since President Obama. We knocked on those doors. I'm like, the people who go out to vote, like the people in Brewers Hill, they're going to go vote regardless. They're gonna, I'm not going to have to make them go vote. They're going to go vote. So um, we spent less time, actually, in Brewers Hill. I'm like, you know, this is my home base. This is my, this is my neighborhood. We're going to give them, they're going to give them, we, at least four walkthroughs. We're going to touch each door at least four times. But let's spend a significant amount of our time in 5206, where people don't go out to vote, where Brazil has, and their one ward has a voter turnout of 500, where in 5206, one of the wards may have a voter turnout of 30, 35. Let's spend our time and knock on those doors. When I would go to those doors, you would hear people, they had no clue what a state rep was. They hadn't seen a state rep knock on their door, or a state senator, or a judge, or anybody knock on the door in a long time. That was important. So I think... In this last election, we had 5,200 people come out. Not ideally the numbers we want, but 2,000 people who probably wouldn't have voted before came out to vote this time around. And I'm like, that is super dope. It shows us going in an upward trend. We're not staying stagnant. We're not backtracking. We're moving forward. Yeah. So I think next election, we're going to see the same thing where 2,000 are come out. So now it's going to be 7,200 people come out to vote. I think that it's super important that people get engaged, rather where you're at, because that's how you make your voice heard. Also, a problem that we have in my district is um, city services. Some parts of the district don't get the same amount of city services as other parts do. I was in Madison in January for three or four days because of the snow. And I came back to Milwaukee, I think that Thursday night or Friday. And I dropped through the entire city, seriously. The entire city was plowed, it was clean. I got to about 25th Concordia, and my car started to get stuck. <laughs> and I'm like, this is insane. I'm like, these trees look untouched, unplowed. 
And then I'm like, this this feeds into a deeper issue. I was I was also in the district last week Friday. I was on 23rd and Center, and a resident had called me, sent me a video of her alley. And I'm like, okay, this looks this is really blurry video. This is bad video. So I was like, I'm going to come I'm going to come to your house. And I go to I go to her house Friday. I'm in the alley, and the alley looks horrible. I mean, like we have a lot, we have a legal dumping issue in Milwaukee, but the alley looks horrible. And I'm like, you pay taxes, you pay property taxes. There's no reason in the world why your alley should look like this. I'm like, in Brewers Hill, my alley would never look like this. But Brewers Hill goes out to vote, and that's why the city responds the way they do. Mm. I'm like, one, I'm gonna do my part, make getting on the city, make sure the city responds to all the neighborhoods in my district, make sure they get the same services. But you do your part by going out to vote, because a lot of the departments down in the city are data driven. Whether it's when police respond to, or where they patrol at, or where city services are, the data driven, and the data shows that the data part of the district does not vote. So therefore, people don't feel inclined to go out to that part of the district, which is very sad to me. So I'm like, you got to go out and vote and show them that you will use your power to vote. I'm like, I guarantee you, if you go out to vote, when you call that elected or that city department or the, you call the mayor's office, if you all if this area is going to vote, they're going to respond very promptly. Yeah. Because now you're a threat to them keeping their job. I'm like. Go out and vote. It's super important. It may seem like it's just an election, but it's not just an election. It's everything between this election and the next one. Yeah. So it's important to go out and vote, and we have to make sure that everyone in the city of Milwaukee is getting the services they deserve. Uh, I've, this is kind of a random thought, but you're certainly dressed this way today, and for many of the other things I've seen, always dressed in the nines. You got a bow tie on today, <laughs> with a suit tie or whatnot. Were you that way as a kid growing up? And then kind of along those lines... As someone who was so interested and so uh, kind of forward-thinking as a kid, did you face any backlash from from your friends, from your classmates, on the fact that that you wanted to do some of this stuff? Um, so I, I think I wore suits all the time. I think I was known as a guy that wore suits. I remember back in elementary school, we had a career day, and it was it, I think it was late. I think it was early June, end of the school year. We had this career day and. I was dressed in a full-blown black suit with a white shirt, a tie on, had a briefcase, and I was on the playground that day. My friends were like, come on, Caleb, let's go play. I'm like, hey, man, listen, I got a suit on today, can't get it dirty, I'll sit here, I'm okay. <laughs> so I, I think over the time, I think, um, I was even for my, my high school, I was voted most likely to become president. I, I think that my, my peers and my colleagues were very accepting of it. I never received backlash for it. They thought it was pretty dope, actually. So I think they always saw me as a leader, someone who was going to be in office one day and be a voice for the, the people who don't have a voice. And I think that's I think that was pretty dope. The support has always been great, and even now they come out support, they do doors, or they share on social media, or do, donate money. So the support has always been real, and I think that's, that says a lot about generation. I'm thinking that uh, you've used the word dope more than most people in Madison do already. I do. <laughs> so I, do. I, do, I, do I, right? I find myself in committee, committee meetings. I'm like, ah, oh, I said dope. You guys probably know what that means. Right. <laughs> it means cool, okay? Yeah, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. It means I'm on board. Uh, you mentioned your dad, too, a very successful real estate developer around the area. Also a senior, so you're K2, right? Yeah, K2. How much do you think that has impacted your life as well? Just having that that strong, successful father figure in the, your life that honestly a lot of people in Milwaukee probably didn't have as well. I think I definitely, definitely, I am fortunate to have my father in my life, and my father has served as a very strong figure in my life, and um, sometimes it was a little tough love. <laughs> but I think it's always it's always in good, a good fashion of wanting me to, be, to do better and be better and be the best K two I can be. I think that also I think in my inauguration that. Um, President Ashanti Hamilton spoke, and he mentioned how what I'm doing now at 20 or 19 at the time is much different than what my dad was doing when he was 19. And he, he spoke to how, with the right effort and the right work, we can change a lot within one generation. Talking, we talk about, oh, I was going to take two generations, three generations now to fix it. No, 
it can be done in one generation if we put the right work for it and we stay persistent and aggressive in the, in the approach. So I think having my dad in my life has kept me on the straight and narrow and kept me focused and uh, he's my parent, both my father and mother and my grandparents they all have been very supportive make sure that they, this is, they knew something I wanted to do and like let's make sure we do what we can do to make sure you, we can make it as easy as possible yeah. for you to, you to follow your dream so they've been, they've been supportive and I mean literally any, like anything makes my life easier I'm like you know like Hey, Dad, can you drop myself off the cleaners? <laughs> oh, okay. And then I'm like, that made my life a lot easier today. So it literally, um, my, my parents, my mother, father, my grandparents have been, my aunts, uncles have been a big support. And they are a huge part of the reason why I'm here today. Yeah, very nice. Um, you mentioned not a lot of time to take a vacation, not a lot of time for much of anything else besides classes and, and the work you're doing as a representative as well. But when you do have a, a little bit of free time, what do you like to do to kind of kick back, recharge, and reset a little bit? So... To, to solely kick back and recharge and relax, I binge watch Netflix. All right. <laughs> you know, close the shades, turn TV on, and just binge watch. Um, I'm watching Personal Interest right now. Yeah. Um, that's a Netflix series. Uh, I think I watched um, Scandal, Designated Survivor. So shows that usually involve politics yeah, in some way. <laughs> but I sit back and binge watch Netflix. I just want to just relax, rest. But if I want to get out and have some fun, um, I love bowling. Hmm. Pretty great at it. So, What's your what top score? I think the highest I ever have ever scored is like a 115. Oh, man. Right. But I don't, I think my friends are a lot better at it. So like, <laughs> I'm usually winning into like the last goal or two. And then my friend, Harlan and my friend Alex, they always somehow BB, I end up in, I end up in second place. But it's okay. So um, bowling or just relaxing with friends or mo- going to the movies is really chill situations where yeah. we can just relax, have conversations, get, have, get a good laugh or two in. But just sit back and relax. I think too often, um, I mean, I never was a big party guy. Never was a big concert goer either. So not really a party type of guy or concert goer. I think I've probably been to two concerts in my entire life. <laughs> and one was on official business. So, uh, and then I think party-wise, I've probably been to maybe three parties in my life. And probably that to- the time I spent at the parties probably totaled to about 20 minutes. <laughs> so between the three parties. So not a big party goer, but just really relaxed, calm situations where we get some good food, we get some good laughs in, and we can just enjoy each other. So maybe this should be the question. Do the uh, people that you work with in Madison, the other representatives who are like three times your age, understand you less than the college students who are like, you've been to uh, 20 minutes of a party? <laughs> like who under- which group is, uh, is um, less, uh, less likely to get that so choice? <laughs> I found that my colleagues rather than younger, my peers that are younger or my colleagues that are older, they all like to party a lot. I think mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like... That's not an age discrimination. Yeah, it's a part thing. of the Wisconsin way, I think. So, um, I think I, I do like the party. It depends what kind of party right. it is. I mean, sure. I like going to... I think Alderman Russell Stamper just had a sneaker gala, which I thought was pretty dope. We all wore suits and... I think I wore this suit, actually. We all wear suits and we wore sneakers. So, I think, like, that type of stuff is super dope to me and I think, um, like, w- that was cool. Yeah. So, I did that. Uh, it was not a technical, technical party, but I think stuff like events like that are cool. I think my peers also think it's cool. So they actually asked me to do something similar for my birthday next year. Nice. Like, we want a reason to get dressed up and look nice and have fun and dance and listen to music. So I'm um, going to figure out how to do, do something like that. I do yeah. not want to steal the idea, but do something like that or partner with them on it. But I think that um, partying is a way, the Wisconsin way. I think everyone <laughs> loves to party. We're getting short on time, but uh, I got a couple more for you. And uh, I know you could list a bunch of them here, but since you have done such a good job exploring your district, any, uh, any favorite spots, whether it's food, drink, anything like that? That, that people need to check out, maybe just uh, two or three? So downtown, I would say Crab It Your Way. It's a new seafood spot yeah. downtown, black-owned, but the food is amazing. I just drove by it. I haven't eaten there. Yeah, I, 
there's there's competitors in the city, and I visit those recently, and I'm not impressed. I'm a Maryland guy, so Crab is near and dear to my heart. So, all <laughs> so right. yeah, Crab is definitely one of my top spots. I love going to it. Um, I begin to frequent it a lot more since it's been open. Also, anything on King Drive, honestly, whether it's um, Mikasa's Soup yeah. Cafe or it's, um, I mean, honestly, anywhere, anywhere on King Drive yeah. is super dope to go to. So um, King Drive, Crabbit Downtown, um, or Coffee Makes You Black. Oh, they have the best chicken and waffles in the city. <laughs> so, um, yeah, honestly, anywhere, I mean, anybody, anywhere you're gonna, I guarantee anywhere you're going to dish, you're going to have some good food. Cool. So, but those are my, three of my favorite spots. And, and Sherman La- Phoenix. Oh, nice. Yeah, they yeah. got a, a bunch of stuff going on there, which is a nice uh, kind of comeback for them. Um, last question for you. You mentioned voted most likely to be president back in the day. Let's dream a little bit. Where do you kind of <laughs> see this thing going? What are your goals for uh, what is the start of, of hopefully a very successful career for you? I, you know, I realized that um, many people people didn't start politics until they were in their late 30s or 40s and or early 40s so they 20 years from now they run for president i do think running for president i mean that would be super super using dope again super dope <laughs> i think that is the highest honor you can receive the highest office you can receive but i think that's also an office that you can't choose it has to choose you that people have to choose you and say you they want you to be in that office so i think that is some, not something i can of course i want it but that's my say i'm going to go do it if, 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 I, if I do i have to prove myself where i'm at now I believe in earning my position I'm in and then proving the people who voted me in. So right now, I'm focused on being state rep. And then as we move forward in the years, and we'll see how that goes and see where my constituents want me to go. Looking forward to seeing where you take this. Thank you very much. Thank you. It is time now for the Fox Six Pack of Questions, our chance each and every episode to get to know the people that you see and hear every day on Fox Six, including a, a very good friend of mine, Amy DuPont, joining us here. Nice to see you at a, a normal time of day. Amy I know, and I right? used to running into each other very early in the morning as part of our wake up duties. A little of bit. Us. Yeah, yeah, a little it's been, bit. And in good ways for both of us. Absolutely. I think <laughs> when this episode actually comes out, we'll be right around your two year anniversary right? here at the station. Right. 2017 is when you started. Oh I'm not going to yes. ask you anything really about that, <laughs> except maybe loosely this first question. Okay. Uh, besides the job, besides the chance to come and work at a great mm-hmm. station like Fox 6, what was it about uh, Milwaukee in particular that uh, attracted you to the job? Okay, honestly, um, I'm a military spouse, and the Marine Corps said, you're going to Milwaukee. Okay, not so, much choice. <laughs> <laughs> I go where my husband goes. What did goes. you learn to love about Milwaukee? <laughs> oh, so coming from the coast to Milwaukee, it's crazy, much different climates. But You were coming from San, San Diego, Diego for right? Don't know. Um, San Diego and Milwaukee are set up in much the same way. So you have this giant city, but within the city are different neighborhoods and each neighborhood has a different name and, you know, something that makes it unique. And so I really liked that. And the food here, I'm a foodie. I don't know anything about food. I just like to eat it. The food (laughs) is on par, you know, like everything that I liked in San Diego, I can find that here in Milwaukee, including Ethiopian food. Really? I love Ethiopian food. I I spent some time there. Yeah, I spent some time there. So I was very happy to find it here. Well, that actually will be one of the questions coming up, food related. So we'll get to that. (laughs) But first, uh, outside of work and outside of your time at home, where are we most likely to find you hanging out around the city? Hanging out. Okay, so we are really notoriously bad for like finding one place and just keep going back. Hey, I'm really, like yeah, like right. It. So, um, we live in Brewers Hill and we, my cousin, when I moved here, the only person I knew in Milwaukee took us to points East <laughs> for wings. 
And I'm a sucker for wings and beer and French fries. And they, and they are routinely Oh, goodness. The yeah, they are amazing. So and we go there quite a bit. They know us by name. That's good. Is it? Maybe. <laughs> like, no, no. They're great staff. It's a great location. And yeah, great food. Well, besides Pointsies, because that might be hard to top, what and where was the last great meal you had around the area? Uh, does it have to? Do I have to go out? Because my husband cooks an amazing burger. He's actually home right now. He, uh, 20 years of active duty military is tough on the body. He's about to retire. So he had the second of three planned surgeries over the next year. And uh, he made homemade burgers and he, we, we did gardening for the first time. So he chopped up a jalapeno nice. and put it in there and he does a little cheese and egg and some breadcrumbs. And then he had some jalapeno bacon. So he made me a jalapeno bacon that burger. That sounds incredible. That's why I keep him around. You're going to have to call me next yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I'll ask you just really quickly, where do you find Ethiopian food here in Milwaukee? There's a place uh, on Farwell. Nice. And there's also one downtown, but I've only been to the Ethiopian cottage so far, and that's over right. on Farwell. It's really fun. So go with someone because they sit you down, and it's served family style. So it's kind of like this grass-tied table, and they set this big platter in front of you. And, and just go to town. With Ethiopian food, yeah, you don't use utensils. The bread is called injera. It's like like a very... It's kind of spongy, right? Spongy. It's bit. like a, a, a spongy bread. You rip it off and that's what you use to eat. Traditionally, wat cool. is kind of like a big staple. I'll be honest though, I didn't realize there were so many different kinds of wat because I was in the southern part of Ethiopia. We only had wat. I didn't realize <laughs> there were all these different kinds and every single dish I had was amazing. Wow. Well, that's a pretty good recommendation right yes. there. Uh, all right. So we're casting the movie for uh, the Amy DuPont <laughs> biopic. What famous actress has the great honor to play you? Uh, either Amy Adams or Rachel McAdams. <laughs> I like yeah. it. Amy Adams or Rachel McAdams. Yep. Those two. I, and I really like them too. And I, I would like to think we kind of look alike. Yeah. I can see it. <laughs> yeah. All right. I like it. Both very talented. Both funny yeah. as well. Do well. Oh, are you saying I'm funny? I am. Thank you. In a quirky kind of way. <laughs> Pass that on to my kids because yeah, they think that. I'm totally an earth. Yeah. <laughs> well, do they know uh, a talent or skill that you have that maybe you don't get to showcase uh, on air all the time, but that we should know about? Okay, so you and I know, or you know that I sing, yes. and it's like my kids don't believe me, even though like they grew <laughs> up with me singing to them at you know bedtime. But yeah, they don't believe that. They're like, you don't ever sing at home, and I'm like, that's because you guys are the toughest crit- critics ever. <laughs> so <laughs> the public's way nicer. And you've gotten to do some pretty cool stuff. You sang at Summerfest. You sang in a number of places. Two years at Summerfest. um, Done a lot of stuff with the village of uh, Greendale. Oh my goodness, that is a wonderful community. And there are like neighborhood association, the parks, and the they do great work down there. And they've been very nice. Asked us back. We'll be back um, the day after Thanksgiving. We're doing the tree lighting. I get to sing Santa Claus is Coming to Town as he (laughs) makes his debut. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. Quite the honor. All right, Mm -hmm. some things to look forward to. Last question for you, Amy. What is the most random job you've ever had? Most random job. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) Gosh, this is a tough one. Right? Yeah. Oh, People usually get tripped up by the actor-actress question, but you just really? blew right through I knew that. that one. I, I've thought about my <laughs> Lifetime movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coming this December. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so I guess as a kid, the neighbors... Oh, gush. Here we go. The neighbors... <laughs> say, oh, gush. <laughs> oh, gush. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got to pick up a lot of dog poop. All right. Yeah, I got paid paid yeah. uh, not very well to do a pretty gross job. 
<laughs> that and picking weeds. Ugh. Yeah. This day, I hate picking weeds. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I don't know anyone who loves it, so I think so, you're probably oh, in the majority goodness. there, right? Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, now I have children that get to do that for me. And you're still cleaning up poop, or at least at some yeah. point you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, between kids and dogs, so yikes. Yeah, you can't get away with it. Can't get away from it, I should say. Well, hopefully this was a nice getaway for you for about five <laughs> yeah, minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. Amy, thank you so much. Thanks, Carl. <laughs> That is a wrap for the latest episode of Definitely Milwaukee. One more thank you to both Kaylin Haywood and Amy DuPont, two proud residents of Brewers Hill, for joining us this week. And to the person that you don't hear on the podcast each and every week, Leanne Watson, our executive producer who puts all this together. If you do want to hear more Definitely Milwaukee or Open Record, our other podcast from Fox 6, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service and please leave us a review and a rating as well. You can also download the latest episodes anytime at fox6now.com.